Welcome back to Comfort, Breeze, Complacency. This is episode 13. Today we're joined with a savage of a man, my boy, Connor Emini. Thanks yes, for coming, dude. Dude, great right, to I guess be thank here. you for having me at your place. <laughs> yeah, welcome. Welcome. Good to be here. Hell yeah, buddy. Um, I think just starting off, I guess we met online as many people do nowadays, but um, both athletes, both, I think pretty high-end athletes and just listening to your story seeing it online kind of following along and then now looking at what you're going to be doing it's pretty inspiring um do you want to kind of just run through how you started like as an athlete and then getting into I mean what you're doing now but I guess just kind of starting off what'd you do for sports wise and all that yeah I mean grew up with two older brothers and you know was competitive from the start since we were little kids. They're three years older than I was. So I always played three years up in hockey and soccer and just try to be like, you know, as good as them. And that led to trying every sport from rugby, badminton, soccer, hockey, eventually fell into hockey, um, played hockey mostly competitively and then, uh, hung up the skates when I went to university. And that's kind of where I found triathlon. It's like, now that I'm done hockey, what am I going to do? Try it out for a bunch of bunch of random teams. One was the rowing team, one was, one was uh, triathlon. And then, um, you know, I, I was like, kind of like that after the tryout and stuck with it. And um, that led me on this crazy quest, which I'm on now, which is uh, recently becoming the youngest person in the world to do an Ironman on six continents. And... In 45 days or so, hopefully the first person to do one on all seven continents. Um, and I guess for people that might not know what an Ironman is, it's a 3.8-kilometer swim, 180-kilometer bike ride, followed by a 42.2-kilometer run. Yeah, that's quite a mission. I've never actually done an Ironman in a race, done each of the discipline distances before, but never put them all together yet, so... It's always cool watching. I know a lot of guys in the training club I was with, they do a lot of Ironman stuff. So yeah. it's always cool watching and seeing people do it. And uh, what's, uh, what do you think's your best of those disciplines? Uh can definitely tell you my worst is swimming. <laughs> so uh, major respect to, to you and, and what you've been doing, man. It's great. Um, I didn't grow up swimming. I actually YouTubed how to swim for, for my first Ironman, which is pretty crazy. Um, and I'd say probably running is like my best and what I enjoy the most. I think it's just the most, um, like mentally therapeutic for me and easiest to do. Just strap on your shoes on a good day, a bad day, whatever it is, and just walk out your door and start running. And, um, yeah. And then, you know, I think I'm not particularly great at any of the three, but, pretty decent at all three so it's uh it's it's been a fun sport to to get into yeah and getting into that from later in life you say you joined a team what was that like for training for meeting people um I know when I first got into triathlon too I was lucky enough to get into a team it made a big difference for me when I was doing short course stuff like Olympic distance sprint distance but uh, I know a lot of people do train alone for triathlon so did you find like you had a coach on that team and everything and 
So the team was just like the triathlon club at club. university, okay. um, and it was all short course, so 15-minute swim, 15-minute bike, 15-minute run, and f- it was like you you were based off of some algorithm of like how far you could go in those 15-minute increments, uh, and it was all student-led, so there was no actual coach for any of the three, um, but that's where I started racing and then raced against this guy named Ben Rudson, who, you know, we'd go head-to-head and... Man, I guess I could say, you know, I beat him a couple times, but uh, he went off and came 14th in the world for Ironman for our age group. And I just thought, that's impossible. Nobody can do that, like, let alone do that well in it. And literally, he was kind of the, the inspiration to kickstart this journey for me. And I texted him in 2015, and I was like, I'm going to do my first Ironman by 2020. And that's what I did. Which was the first one you got done? Uh, New Zealand. So I actually moved to New Zealand quit my quit my job in Toronto, moved to New Zealand, gave, gave myself six months to train for it and go all in. And honestly, it was the most transforma- transformative experience I've ever had. And I remember the race like so vividly. It was March 7th, 2020. And then 10 days later, the pandemic hit and I was stranded in New Zealand for 60 days. And I started reading about this girl, this Australian girl that became the youngest girl in the world to do an ultra marathon on seven continents. And I was like, wow, that's pretty impressive. I wonder if anyone's done it for Ironman. And I started looking into it. At the time, the youngest person was 32 to do an Ironman on six continents, and I was 23. And I just, I don't know what it was in that moment. I was like, this is what I'm going to do. I don't know, financially, physically, you know, logistically, emotionally, like with the world and COVID and all that, like how I was going to do it. But I think picking one thing and going all in on it was something that I w- I've, I've always wanted to do. And here we are. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been crazy, crazy journey for sure. Is it kind of like a freeing feeling once you have that kind of goal set and you know, you're on that path and process. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's uh it's like a catch 22, you know, I think it feels impossible in certain moments um, and extremely hard, you know, in the body and, just the amount of time it takes to train and work and balance everything. Like there's a lot of sacrifice. So I think that, that part isn't freeing, but the the best feeling I think is to have a purpose and like knowing you're waking up every day and working towards something is super freeing. And that's what uh, I try and share with all my friends is like have something on the calendar you're working towards because it helps with every other asset of life or facet of life as well. Right. So mm-hmm. Yeah, and having a date set, I think, is important because there's so many goals that people have, or like anybody has that you want to do, but unless you really like nail it down on the calendar, put it out in the world, it doesn't always happen. For sure, for yeah. sure, working backwards, I think, is definitely the play on anything. Yeah, hundred percent. So finishing up in New Zealand, you made it back to Canada. Yeah. Which one was after that, or what was the order of them? Yeah. So. <laughs> man i had so out of the six races five of them were either canceled or rescheduled from the original ones i wanted to do so new zealand was march 7 2020 and then the world shut down 10 days later and then the first race that opened up was september 2021 in chattanooga tennessee it was supposed to be penticton in canada got canceled they transferred me there um with like a month prior and i was just like all right i guess i'm going there 
and then I pumped three out in three months. So I did Chattanooga in, in September, two weeks later, did Mallorca, Spain in October, and then three weeks after that, went to South Africa to do number four, um, which was just like a crazy amount of <laughs> like on your body and traveling and logistics with COVID was a nightmare, but um it really made it real, you know, it was like, once you're, you know, four in, you're like, okay, we're here, this is, this is gonna happen, right, so. When you were doing those four, or like, going on to six, was there always an idea of seven, or was it just kind of like, get done to six first, and then see what happens, or? Yeah, um, no, I think the idea actually percolated after number five, which was in the Philippines, which was also, my worst race, hardest race by far. Um, so much went wrong. I lost 10 pounds in the race, went to the medic. My bike didn't make it to the country. I had to find a bike. Like, it was just such a crazy, crazy experience. Um, but after that particular race, and I was like, you know, there's one more. Everybody always asks, what's next? What's next? You start asking yourself, what's next? And that's where the idea of kind of doing number seven came. Um, and then once the idea and the seed is planted, man, it just starts growing and consumes you. And, you know, you're willing to do whatever it takes to realize that dream, right? So, Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know that question, what's next a lot. <laughs> Before you've even done the thing, people are asking you what's next. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? Um, so that was number five. And num- what was the last one, number six? Brazil, Brazil, which was uh, it's a cool experience to to finish finish the six. It was um, in Florianopolis, Brazil. And that's what I really love about Ironman is like all of them. The races are actually in places you wouldn't really go to top of mind. You know, I think some of them are, but most of them they find these unique towns or cities and um, really make it an experience more than the race and. Um, I was lucky to convince one of my friends to do his first Ironman and come down with me and do the race. We got to share that experience together, and um, it was my best one out of the six in terms of performance. So um, it was good to redeem myself after <laughs> the Philippines and that race. And um, yeah, man, beautiful country. Yeah, yeah, I bet. Yeah, I haven't been down there yet, but looks awesome. What? Um so you said just recently that you left the corporate world. Yeah. So you were working during this whole time? Yeah, yeah. On top of training and everything, traveling? Yeah, on top of training, working full-time, trying to support myself. Um, honestly, like, it was hard, and it's still hard, you know. I, I don't think a lot of people, a lot of people see, you know, these races, and they see the, all the positive stuff, but... I lived in 10 places over 18 months, friends' couches, um, my brother's, like, room while he was working through some things and, like, just, just like, anything and everything I could to afford doing this. And it was, like, every dollar I made was going into this project. I was just willing to, you know, sacrifice whatever it took. Like, there was weeks where I was, like, you know, I, I didn't know how I was going to pay my rent and, and like, eating Mr. Noodles and just like, man, I, I don't know if this is even possible anymore. And, um, yeah, I think that people don't really see that side, but, um, 
yeah, I was working, had a great job. I was working for Uber at the time, helped launch Uber Eats. Um, and, you know, on paper, everything was great. But I just knew that there was something itching to, to that I wanted to do with my life and didn't know, like, when in, in life I was going to take that leap. And I just thought, if not now, when? And, you know, why why not? And I think that... It's scary, but when things are scary, it's worth doing. Yeah, no right time, just present. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, I know about that uh, feeling of trying to make it work. This past summer, I show up today in my school bus. I lived in the school bus, <laughs> trying to make the swim work and saving up for the videographers and the sport boats and everything. And like, yeah, yeah, it's just like. You could be putting your money towards, I guess, traditional things, but I feel like you get so much from these experiences, and it's like those moments when you're in the event that you remember when you were struggling. It's like sure. gives you those extra motivation to keep going and things. So, yeah, I find, uh, yeah, nobody really sees the whole picture. Definitely, yeah. especially if they're looking from online or they just see you in a random reel or whatever. Yeah. So. And those are, like, the moments that that make it more rewarding, you know. Like, I've obviously, crossing the finish lines are great. And, you know, finishing the swim, I'm sure, was an incredible feeling that only you will truly know. But is like, the four years leading up to it and, and all the attempts leading up to it and what you learn about yourself and the whole process of doing that and, you know, the days where you don't want to train but you show up anyways and it's, like, if you're not going to believe in yourself, who is? And I think when you believe in yourself, more people start to believe in you and also in themselves. And it's a, it's a really powerful thing. So yeah, I, uh, I feel super lucky, man. And all the struggles led to meeting incredible people who continue to motivate me and inspire me and believe in me. And I just want to do that for more people too. You know, I think, the, the number one thing that I needed in that whole journey was somebody to say to me that I believe in you. And that's what I'm trying to pass on is like people that I meet and they share what they want to do instead of saying, Oh, like, have you thought about X, Y, Z? You say, fuck yeah, go after it, man. Like I believe in you. And, and honestly, that's all somebody needs to hear to get, get started on their journey. Yeah. 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 If you, if people can't see your vision, it's hard to buy in, but, those people that are just supportive no matter what yeah, or just know your character, know just you as a person. Those are really important people. I think my parents have always been like that for me. Like even just a couple of weeks ago, just drove me out from Calgary to Canmore at 3 a.m. to run a hundred K just draw me off there. It's like having those people is super important. I think hundred percent, man. And there's going to be a lot of naysayers that are be like, why are you doing that? Like, you know, they don't get it. And, and that's okay too. Right. It's, you know, what you're doing, what I'm doing is not for everybody, but I mean, if somebody tells you their dream, like be there to support them or encourage them. I think, you know, why not? Yeah. Yeah. There's this uh, quote I like, and it said, um, for those who understand, no explanation is necessary. And for those who don't no explanation is possible. I feel like, yeah, you don't even need to know what the person's doing. If, if you're that kind of person that goes after those things, then, you'll be supportive and like I feel like it's trying to open up people's minds to that like the switch but it is it can be hard if yeah <laughs> they're stuck in their ways and all that but 
So um, looking after number six is done, when does number seven, the logistics, everything start to become like real? Yeah, um, it was. It's been a huge puzzle, man, and, and still I'm 45 days out from departure, and it's still a puzzle. You know, I, I think it's uh, because it hasn't really been done before. Um, you know, one person has done. Uh, an Ironman distance on Antarctica, Anders Hoffman, um, a Danish guy. Um, and yeah, so I think the difference, you know, he proved that it's possible and I think that's incredible. Um, he did do it over three days because of just weather challenges and, and different difficult terrain and, and all this stuff. And my goal is hopefully to do it in 24 hours. Um, but, you know, again, like when you see somebody do something, I think the number one question you should ask yourself is why not me? Right. And, and I think, you know, be happy for people and it's, it's nothing about, Oh, I'm going after his record. I'm trying to set my own, you know, it's like, um, there's this quote that's like, don't try and be the best, be the only, I really love that. It's like, find your own uniqueness, find your own story, find your own narrative and like live it. Um, but yeah, after five in the Philippines, this this idea of number seven was planted. Um, I obviously followed Anders' journey, saw that it was possible, and then just started reaching out to people. And I cold called this one guy, Doug, and just pitched him on my story. He's been to the North Pole and South Pole more than anybody on the planet. And I just said, this is my dream. And he said, I want to help you see your dream come to life. You remind me of when I was younger. He, he tried to summit all these mountains, but he couldn't afford oxygen, so he did it without it. And it was like that same thing that I'm saying just just said of that belief in somebody. It was literally his words that were like, that's epic. I want to help you. I believe in you. That gave me enough momentum or courage to just be like, this is, I'm going to do it then. You know, I just needed that one person. And obviously there's so many challenges with, um, you know, the right permits, um, the team, um, the conditions, the weather, like, um, figuring out the route, like so many things that I got to figure out. But, you know, when you set the goal, you'll find the path to, to make it happen. So, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about that because all the other six were sanctioned Ironman events, right? Yeah. Okay. So they're race course set. You just show up, do the race, and everything's kind of set in place. Whereas, like Antarctica, there's no Ironman there. You're just doing the Ironman distance, right? So going in, where, like, how does, how do you even start with where to do it? How to, like, how do you, how do you go about that? Where's like the starting point for logistical stuff? Yeah. So I think my mindset was like, try and find people that have been there, understand, like, one, what does it actually even look like? You know, what, where could I even partake in something like this or do something like this? Um, so finding uh, an expert or in my case, you know, Doug is like understanding um, what the landscape is. And he brought up the idea of like trying to piggyback off of a marathon that already happens there. And I just thought, you know, that's genius because there's, um, I think there's one or two marathons that happen there every year. Um, so we started with the idea of, okay, if they're already going down there, they'll have a route set up. It's about an 8k loop. Um, 
what if we could piggyback off that same loop that's already there and do the bike and the run just around the loop and set up a tent as our base. Um, and so that's kind of where we started. And then, you know, figuring out, okay, from there, where are we going to do the swim? How far is it from the actual thing uh, or from the route, the bike loop and right and run route? Um, and pretty much what we came up with is the harbor that the boats go into is probably the safest and best play and the closest play. Um, but then you have to think about safety because there's leopard seals, there's penguins, there's wildlife. Um, so now there's all these other things that are coming into play. Like, do we have a Zodiac on one side of me with people with spears ready to, to protect me? And then a kayak on the other side, navigating me in the swim. So I'm not just trying to look up all the time, which I'm sure you know all about. (laughs) Um, and it becomes this crazy puzzle piece of, you know, figuring out the, the, the logistics, the gear, um, so many, so many things. And, you know, like I just said, we're, we're 45 odd days away and like still so much to do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I know personally my swim, it felt like, yeah, you make a big list of things you have to do and then you'll check like some off that happened earlier, but it seems like so many come together the last week, the last days. Yeah. And it's like, I don't even know if this is going to work, but boom, 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 boom. And like all comes together when you should probably be like resting and and all that, but you're usually the busiest at that point. Yeah. And the biggest one is, I think the elephant in the room is the funding. Yeah. You know, like it's not cheap to go down to Antarctica. Um, And so anybody watching this, if you want to sponsor this event, let me know. (laughs) No, but, but seriously, like it's, 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 it's tough, you know, you need the right crew. So our crew is about six people. Two of them are medics. Um, two of them, two or three of them are videographers and then myself. Um, so the goal is to create a film on this, this whole experience. And, you know, I've been capturing the last three years of this journey across all seven continents. And, uh, there's a lot of people I really want to highlight that have helped me and it's not just about me. I think this whole thing has been much bigger than me. It's about um, one person having a dream and daring to dream big enough and, you know, uplifting people around them and highlighting them around, how, highlighting the people around me. And honestly, I couldn't have done it without all the help that I've gotten. And um, yeah, so I think, you know, fundraising is a big play, but back to 45 days out, we still are, you know, over 50K short of our budget of what we need to, to make it actually happen, to fly everybody down and the right crew. And that's scary, you know. It's like these are the things that you want lined up well in advance so you're not worrying about it. And then in a perfect world, I could just focus on training and, you know, being mentally and physically sharp going into it. But I'm trying to wear all the caps of partnerships, you know, motivating the film team and and the crew and like logistics jumping on calls with people in antarctica and doug and um you know trying to to balance media and and just like life right it's it's so hard and um sometimes i just feel like a one-man team and um yeah it's it's been super challenging and um but i i think the number one uh lesson in all of it and and like 
think my superpower is being like a delusional optimist. And I really believe in that. And I think when you are so confident in what you want to happen, you put that out into the world and it's going to come back to you. Um, and I just try and, you know, reassure myself that I'm doing everything I can possibly do, that some things are just left to higher powers to, to get you over that finish line. And, um, yeah, we'll see, see it come to life. And as the t-shirts say, make it happen, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. I think when you have that self-confidence in your ability to do the task, the task almost becomes like the easier part, right? Yeah. It's like, I know with my swim, it was a lot of things the same way, trying to come together and like piecing it. And when you get to the starting point and like count down from 10 and the horn blows and you go, it's almost like a, like a, now we get to go do yeah. what I do best. Right. Like that's almost looks like the hardest part to people, but it's almost the most straightforward, easiest part. Cause sure. you know how to suffer, you know, you put in the work, the time to get to that spot. Yeah. And it's just all the logistical stuff before that is like the ultra getting there 100%. or like the fund and like everything you just touched on. So I definitely know that feeling of the, the one man crew, even though there are a bunch of other people involved. It's like when you're at the level that we're at, you might be doing these world-class things, but you might not have the credibility or the following yet. Right. Yeah. Whereas people who have shown that they've done things, it kind of switches the companies more go to them or yeah. like, it's just, making that leap and like having the confidence in yourself to know that, Hey, I can do this task. I can do the actual work. I think that's the most important thing, which you obviously have. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm stoked for you, dude. That'll be, that'll be sick. I'll figure it out. And I've no doubts you're going to get it done. For Thanks sure. man. I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, I think, you know, take your, your real life analogy of like, nobody's going to ride the bus for you. You got to drive your own bus and, Hopefully, you know, the right people fill the bus and are on the way with you and um, be like, you got to believe in yourself and steer the ship because nobody believes in your story as much as you do and everyone wants to help and you need the help and you recognize the help, but really you need to steer the ship for yourself, um, which I think that energy and, and like mindset really, you know, falls through with the team and they can see that. Um but one thing you said actually that I don't know where I watched it, maybe in your, your trailer or something, but it was like the mindset of you're willing to die to make something happen, mm-hmm. I think is really powerful, you know, and I don't think a lot of people will understand that, but you, you, I, I really, I resonated with that because in my mind, like I'm willing to die to make this happen as well. And yeah. I think you have to have that like, whatever it takes mentality and i think that can be scary because your barometer for for risk is up in the air your barometer for you know what you're willing to sacrifice is 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 tough and i think uh having that mindset but you know balancing limits of safety and and life is is important too so having people in your corner that can help check you is is also important Mm, yeah i think it's having a good crew behind you but i have been told in the past that like that's a dangerous mindset to have but 
I liken it to like a lot of UFC fighters. They're not going to make it if they go in a cage yeah. thinking that the other person is willing to kill you. You're not willing to die for it. Yeah. Like you have to go in with that. Do I think that I'm going to die in a lot of the things I do? No. Yeah. But I understand that there's very real possibilities. Like for the swimming, for example, when you're 70 hours into a swim, you can fall asleep and drown in a minute. And yeah. There's nobody's going to save you, right? But it's like getting to the point of this is worth the risk to me because one, I know what I've been through to get to this point. And yeah. then um, two, just, just knowing what it means to get it done when it finally happens. But you almost feel like for me anyways, when I started the swim, it was like, it almost started as an event, like any race mindset or something, but it almost became my life. Yeah. So it was like, once I didn't get the record, my shoulder was all like messed up and it was just like days started or my time started to go and go and go further. It was like, this is my life now. I, no matter what happens, like I'm going to get there. Yeah. So it's, it becomes like your whole world. And to say somebody else tell you all like, you can't have that mindset of this. It's like, no, nobody will understand your mindset in that. Yeah. And nobody can justify for you what's worth your life or not. Yeah. So I know like putting yourself in those positions is, I think like a beautiful thing in life to see somebody who has enough passion to die for something that they care so much about. Yeah. I would rather live a short life full of passion than live a long life full of like misery and yeah. not having any, any, gumption for anything you know for sure man for sure i think uh um it's i think it's okay to be misunderstood mm. you know nobody you don't need to be understood by everybody and there's that saying like your vibe attracts your tribe and you know i think that what you put out you're going to attract the right people that back you and believe in you and you know adopt that same mentality and that's all you really need in, in life is a good group of people that can share your happiness and success with you and, and support you and want to champion you to that. So I resonate with that a lot, man. Yeah. And it's cool with social media too, that like our platforms can introduce us to like people like each other. Right. Yeah. Cause I know even just whatever, I feel like in Canada, especially it's hard to make maybe some networking connections that may happen easier in the States or other parts of the world, but it's been cool to like, run into some pretty badass people um, since my swim that I've had the opportunity to reach out and meet and, yeah. and uh, follow their stories and like help out with things in the future if anybody needs anything. So 100%. it's been, uh, yeah, I think that's really cool. Um, looking at your training for something like this, after you left the corporate world, you said things just became 100% training and logistical focused or is yeah. that basically it? Yeah. So, um, yeah, pretty much my last day of work full time, you know, nine to five, um, was a month or five weeks ago now. And, you know, after my last day, the next day I went to Greenland and, or the, the marathon, next couple right? days and went to Greenland and I was like, I'm going to bet on myself. You know, I tried to, to get a bit more of our team to go, but it's tough, right? Like people have logistics and you can't get everyone all the time. And at the end of the day, I was like, I need to bet on myself. And, you know, I was like, I don't really have the money to do that. But I was like, 
if I don't fucking go and experience what running in minus 15 to 20 degrees is like, how am I going to do it in Antarctica? So in my mindset, it was like, this is the perfect training experience for me. And it was honestly the, one of the most life-changing experiences I've ever had. One beautiful place. It was, uh, it was pretty cool, man. Like you fly in to this place called Kangerlussac. The whole city has 505 people. And you land in the airport. Literally, you go out of security up the stairs. That's your room. But it's also the local bar for the whole city. It's just like this make-believe place, but it exists. And then there's like reindeer running around, musk ox. There was a polar bear there. Like, it's just like, where the hell are, are we, right? And um, yeah, so I did something called the Polar Ice Marathon, which was a marathon um, on like an ice sheet uh, in minus, I think it was minus 16 the day we went and snowed the night before. So like some of the running was like running, you know, shoe shoes in the snow and up to your calves and it was just crazy but i met so many cool people from all around the world that were there to be better and there to challenge themselves and you know i think like it's so rare to find like-minded people like that so um yeah doing that was a great like reassure that i can do it and a great peace of mind going into antarctica that that i can you know, perform in those temperatures. Yeah, that's awesome. And and having those people, like, it, you kind of have to put yourself in this situation to get lucky to meet certain people or, like, mm. you're not going to meet those people on the street very often. You know, it's very rare you'd meet somebody with that same mindset unless you're at a like-minded event. Yeah. Um, but I know even, like, personal experience, all those things I've done that may not have been swimming or whatever, I could – recall back during my swim like hey remember when i was going through the same kind of like dark spot in this endeavor and like you pick and pull how you got through it and then you like start to piece just piece by piece getting through the thing and like doing all these experiences i think yeah you can utilize them in the task at hand which is like so valuable yeah it's like goggins right everyone you know in this ultra space looks up to him or have read his book and he has that concept of the cookie jar yeah you know every hard thing you do is a cookie in your jar and when you're in the battle the next time you take a virtual bite of that cookie and remind yourself that you've been here before and um i think you know we are kind of just this like stack of what we've done in a way and that's uh that's the motivation you need to keep adding to the challenges i guess yeah yeah i know like personally with swimming in cold water it's not fun how has training been or how have you been able to train the swimming portion because i know like running you did the the run in greenland and and things like that but you want to kind of explain some of the swimming you've been doing i've been seeing some of it on instagram but (laughs) yeah man it's been crazy i uh the hardest part in, in, you know, training for Antarctica is obviously, like, replicating the conditions living in Canada. I think that's been a huge challenge. It just doesn't get cold enough here, which sounds crazy because most people think Canada is pretty cold, right? But especially in Vancouver, it's kind of mild. Um, so somehow convince, you know, some of my friends to go up to the Alpine lakes, like, just past Whistler and cut holes in the ice uh, with ice saws. Um and create like a 30 meter lap length uh, and then jump in there and just swim back and forth for as long as I can. And then, you know, 
slowly build the tolerance. But like I've been doing this for over a year now. So I tried this, that same swim over a year ago and couldn't last 10 minutes. It was like, it was just way too cold. I didn't have the right equipment. So um, over the last year, I've been going into the ocean when it gets cool, colder, you know, doing ice baths, like really adopted um, building a tolerance kind of mindset and not rushing into it. Um, so you got to be really careful with cold water because it can be dangerous pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a, a lot of those things you can learn through like breathing or, or doing stuff like the cold plunges and can help you like, be present in that moment and not like freak out, I guess, yeah. when you get into that situation. When you're uh, out there, so for the actual swim, how do you have it set up as far as like, is it looped? Is it out and back kind of thing? Or what do you, what are you doing for that? Um Still TBD. Yeah. Um, most likely it will either be like a point to point. I think we might drive out in the Zodiac. I'll jump in and then swim back to shore uh, with a 4K or 3.9K. Um, or depending on the conditions and the waves, um, go from the shore out like 2K and then back. So either either a loop or a point to point. Um, it's just going to depend on the conditions, visibility and the crew that we have there. Mm-hmm. And you said the crew, you have two medics with you. Yeah. yeah. So for me, like, you know, it, it is great to do all of this, but like safety is obviously the number one concern. Um, you know, to recognize hypothermia quickly there, we have procedures in place like every, like 10 minutes people are going to ask me questions to make sure that like my cognitive function is still there. Um, because sometimes like with cold, you, you actually forget that you're cold and your body, your brain turns off and it's like, it's pretty scary to, to do that. So, um, I read this article one time of like this lady doing an ice mile swim and they had to pull her out after like 1200 meters because, she couldn't respond properly to the questions that they were asking her, um, but she wanted to keep going. So, you know, that's the number one con- like priority for me in all of this is safety. Yeah. And what's the water temperature going to be roughly? You know? uh, zero degrees. Yeah. Um, because of the salt content is much higher there. It yeah. won't freeze, okay. um, but it'll be nice and toasty. Nice and toasty. Yeah. <laughs> A warm bath. Yeah. And uh, for somebody um, that's a medic. Do you have one that's kind of like a crew chief that has a final say and like, hey, this thing's cut or like, like who who has? Because I know I'm sure you're somebody who would push through pain and obviously doing yeah. what you've done. But when does it become pushing through pain or pushing to the point of like damage or safety? Like who makes that call for you? Um, that's a conversation. I think, you know, me and the, the head expedition guide and will have. And, I mean, I think at the end of the day, it'll be their call. You know, as much as I want it to be my call, it's their call on, you know, pulling me out of the water. Um, my major concern in all of this is the swim, to be honest, mm-hmm. because of the wildlife and the, sh- the conditions. But, um, yeah, I'm, on it, I'm pretty confident 
in the swim ability because of all the training that I've done. And, um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't see being pulled out as a really, it's possible. And I think what we just talked about, like you have to be ready for that, but my mindset is that I'll be ready for it. And, um, I have a lot of upcoming big swims that I want to do and, um, can test those waters and just, you know, prove that you can do it. Mm -hmm. And how did I got this question a lot is how did you get used to open water swimming or being comfortable in the waters? I know for a lot of people they can swim, but being like alone in open water or in water with things that can get you, eat you can be uh scary. So how do you <laughs> like how did you get comfortable with that? Comfortable being uncomfortable, I guess. Hon honestly, man, like I'm still not comfortable. Um I said, like, swimming, I didn't grow up doing. I mean, I took swimming lessons as, like, a five-year-old. But um, my biggest fear, actually, is, like, the ocean and not knowing what's underneath me, which a lot of people don't believe. But it's true. Like, I hate that feeling. I hate, like, just, like, not knowing what's under me, not being able to see everything. Like, it feels very out of your control. So I hate that feeling. Um but I just try and like focus on my breath and focus on the task. And like, I don't know. I, I think like the ocean is so vast that the chances of something coming up and, and nipping you are hopefully small. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just, I feel like if I'm not going and bothering something, hopefully it won't bother me, but good karma on your side. <laughs> there you go. Um, I think the, the recipe for success is to try and stay as calm as possible, um, just mentally. And that has given me, I guess, a bit more peace of mind and ch channeling into your breath. I think you kind of forget about a lot of other things. So mm -hmm. just try and pretend I'm just in a lake and go with it. Yeah. And what, I don't know if you mentioned this part, but what, like, part of Antarctica is it? So it's called KGI, King George Island. Okay. Um, so that's where we'd fly into and then do it and then fly out. We'll only be there for about 24 hours, 24 to 48 hours. Okay. And then the marathons already set the date and all that. So, yeah. okay, sweet. Um, do you, like, what is for lodging and stuff? Like you, what's we'll be that in like a tent. Right tent. So they, yeah, it's literally a, a six to eight person tent. Okay. Um, I don't really see myself sleeping there, to be honest. Like, I'll probably be moving, and it's going to take me a long time. So I'll be using a fat bike for the bike portion because mm -hmm. of the snow and the ice. And Does that have, uh, like, metal stud tires? Yeah, studded tires. Um, but if anyone's ridden a fat bike, you can't go very fast on one. So it's just going to be a long, long, long day. And... Uh, I've been doing a bit of training on the fat bike recently, so, yeah. Where, where do you do that around here for snow? I am, I'm just doing it on trails okay, right trails. now, and then um, have a couple, you know, like, routes when it, when it does snow, like uh, the Callahan Valley. Okay. It's like a big ski touring trail, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of bikers that use that. So, planning on doing that, and then... Um, the team and I are, are talking about doing one last final trip to the Arctic Ocean in 
in northern Canada. It's a little town called Tuktoyaktuk. And you fly into Whitehorse, and then it's a 700-kilometer drive along the Dempster Highway up to this most northern town, I think, in Canada or one of them. And that's where the Arctic Ocean sign is and can kind of do a, a last simulation of, you know, swimming, biking, and running and testing out all the gear and the crew because that's the other thing is, like, yeah, I need to be ready, but the crew needs to be ready, too, of, you know, what gloves they're going to wear for operating their cameras, like, are the camera batteries going to be okay? Like, you know, we can't just have any last minute surprises when we're down there. And it's a tight, tight time window. Mm-hmm. You have three videographers, you said? Uh, finalizing it, but yeah, two to three videographers. Yeah. Would they be switching out or would they all be getting different shots throughout kind of thing? Or uh, One of them will be like a drone specialist. The other one will be, you know, pretty much on the Zodiac beside me and... Um, if we can bring a third one down, um, kind of help with whatever needed. Yeah. And what's like, do you have any dietary restrictions or what's nutrition like for something like this? Um, I don't, uh, I think because it'll be a 24 hour event, like, um, I'll need some solid foods. Um, there's like a comprehensive drink mix that I like. Uh, The one I use right now is called NAC, um, but it's like carbs, electrolytes, slow-releasing proteins. um, But I feel like you can only drink so much of that stuff before your stomach gets sloshy, and I've been there too many times where you just start throwing up because there's nothing in your substance to or in your stomach to absorb it. So I'm sure we'll have uh, some pasta, some real food, um, a lot of, like, bone broth to kind of warm your system up a little bit, uh, especially after the swim, I think is important. Um, yeah. And then um, who's preparing that food? Is that one of the medics, or do you have, like... Um, most likely it'll be pre, pre-prepared, okay. and we'll bring it with us, okay. um, and then just kind of heat it up as, as we need it. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay, sweet. Do you find you use, I know, like, doing endurance stuff, it's, if not as much more mental than physical. Do you practice your mental skills, things like visualization, journaling, like, breath work, keywords? Do you actively practice that, or is it more kind of just, um, like, an intangible thing that you kind of do without thinking of? Or? Um. You know, I I try to, like, I think journaling is great. I have a video journal that I use. I, I just found, like, I don't, I never reread what I write. Mm-hmm. So over the last three years, I've been talking into my laptop nice. of, like, feeling every three to four weeks of feelings that I have, emotions, like, you know, moments or people that I met that, I, like, I learned from and, I have this kind of like time stamp of the last three years of like where I was. And then I watch one from three years ago and the worries you have then are not nearly as close as what you have now. And I try and remind myself like, you know, in three years from now, the worries I have now are not going to be the same as, as I'd have then. And, um, I guess that's my visualization is like visualize, you know, things coming to life and, 
sounds weird, but I have dreams. I have dreams like of me swimming in Antarctica. I have dreams of me biking there, running there. It's like a constant loop in my head. It's like I've had this vision, and I don't know why or how, but I just feel like it's like meant for me to go and do. And I've been there already. It's like so hard to explain, but I really I feel like I've been there. It's just like now you got to go and do it. So yeah, I feel like when you're thinking about something so much during the day, it just subconsciously is in there it's it's almost like i've i had that with my swim it's like filling in the blanks right yeah it's like visually and mentally you've been there you know what it feels like to finish all these things but but for me i feel like the finishes are never exactly how you expect them but they're always unique in their own way and like i like to think those are the most valuable moments in my life especially a lot of the time your friends or family or or people that support you are there with you and uh those are like rare moments in life I think are worth pursuing like with all you've got. But what, what do you think this will mean to you when you finally finish it off? Man, I mean, I think it's, it's been a huge journey and lots of learnings, but I really think it's just a launch pad for more challenges, more, you know, I think I want to do like a few more or team kind of challenges. Um, and that infamous question of what's next, you know, but to me, like, it's just one chapter, you know, everyone, I'm not just the Iron Man guy, you know, I think there's lots of people that do Ironmans and are much faster and much better than me at them. But I think that like pushing my body, finding my limits, trying new sports, trying new adventures is what life is all about for me. And, um, Yeah, I think, you know, after the six, I thought I would feel incredible and and so fulfilled, but I actually felt so empty and it was kind of sad. I was just like, oh man, I just like put three years of my life into this and now it's done. Like now what, you know? And and I, and I was like, it's kind of depressing. I was just like, this sucks. And I don't think I was mentally prepared for that. And it was, took me a while to kind of bounce back from that, but um, going into number seven and, you know, having the idea that this one is, it's not about a record. It's about like capturing it and documenting it and then sharing it with more people. I think that gives me enough excitement for the future of, um, you know, other possibilities. Mm -hmm. And showing people what's possible and, having them while they're watching it maybe not think hey i'm going to do that but putting themselves in that mindset and thinking hey how can i be that for my life right like what can i do i think that's why i've tried to film all my stuff and i've always said like it hasn't got tons of views but i'll look back at it and be glad that i've got it in the past and then all the people that reach out that do see it it means a lot to them and you never really know who it touches right or who it reaches out to. So sure. I think doing that stuff, it means a lot. And uh, yeah, I think going forward, it's like, that's, that's kind of the thing I felt with my swim too. It's you're invested in this goal and you're on this process, like goal motivated, but process oriented for so long. Yeah. And then when you get it, it, it is like the best moment of your life. And then it's living on this high. And then it's like, well, what now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, be careful what you wish for kind of thing. Like you've worked so hard for this. And then that's like the motto I've been living by comfort breeds complacency. And to me that means is like, 
I remember finishing my America ride. I was 20, 20 years old, 21 years old. And yeah. people were like, man, that's a ride of a lifetime. I was like, <laughs> yeah, it's sick. But if I've peaked at 20, like, what the hell do yeah. I do now? Like, <laughs> yeah. that's it? Like, that was awesome. But and I, I've been trying to take my previous high and then make my baseline and then just keep building, keep yeah. stacking. And just being like, obviously, you enjoy your successes and you celebrate, but just becoming comfortable and being that person that was, I did this back in the day and getting that complacency. It's like, I think I get even more excited when I'm about to finish something and I already have another idea in my head or you like pull the trigger on booking something for the next idea. It's kind of like the fire's lit back up under your ass and you're like, okay, like now we go. Yeah. Yeah. So that's sick, dude. Yeah. I think just like you probably are for other people, inspiration who's been, kind of a motivator or a person you look up to doing all this stuff. Yeah. Um, it's a great question, man. There's, there's quite a few people. Um, honestly, the, the number one guy as of recently has been Doug, uh, Doug Stout. Um, he's the guy helping me with this project. Um, He's been, like I said, to the North Pole and the South Pole more than anybody on the planet. And just like I think the simple fact that he believes in me has made me believe in myself even more. Um, and he's, he's just like he owns a, an expedition company. He does crazy expeditions. Um, he recently was part of a film called Push where he led a blind man and a deaf man to the South Pole. Um, and they made a movie on it and, you know, I think like there's very few people you come across in life where you, you look at and you're like, wow, that's the life that I really want to embody or live. And, and he's definitely been one of those. Um, a guy, a friend of mine who was in my gym class in grade 10, uh, now Olympic athlete, Justin Knight. Um, you know, I'll never forget. I was on the cross country team in school and, uh, I wasn't the best runner, but I was a decent runner. And like for our gym class in grade 10, we had to run 5k. Justin Knight never ran at all, was on the basketball team, rocks up in basketball shorts, basketball shoes, goes and runs 14 minutes for a 5k in grade 10. And like, 14. we were like, what the hell? Like, how is that possible? Long story short, he they put him on the cross country team that year. He never lost a race, won all of OFSA, got a full ride scholarship to Syracuse, broke all of Syracuse's records. Now has like the fastest or the second fastest 5k time, like in Canada and came seventh in Tokyo Olympics for the 5k. And now he's like partnered with Nike and going to be running in the next Olympic games. But just like, you know, somebody, you know, and grew up with that is going off and doing really incredible things, I think is inspiring. Um, yeah, man, and I think there's so many down the list, but you, you're inspiring, dude. Like, seeing your swim really got me fired up, man, and I think that, you know, there are Ross Edgeleys in the world, there are David Goggins, but there's also a new generation coming up, oh, and yeah. that's going to be us, and finding, like, young people, inspiring young people to you know, push their limits, discover their limits, challenge their friends, I think is so exciting. And I just like, I'm so optimistic about the future.
Oh yeah, that's unreal, dude. Yeah, I, when I started like looking at my idols as people not competing with, but doing things of close to the same level as, yeah, that's when I started really like really having confidence and being like, I'm so excited for the future and and bigger things and and moving forward and and figuring out a way to make the passion and like the business around what you're doing and helping other people a way to sustain yourself fully. Right. Is that a goal in the future? Making this like, obviously not wanting to go back to a nine or five and making this full time, full support. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, you know, I, I just like, I, I found, you know, that I really love it and that's why I keep coming back to it is, you know, I meet interesting people. I challenge myself. Like I just, I don't know enough about the world of endurance athletes and sports and branding yourself yet. But to me, uh, a bunch of friends and people have reached out about triathlon coaching and I'm just doing that now kind of originally it was just for fun because I enjoyed it and love seeing my friends like cross finish lines. And, and now it's turning into like a small business of, you know, coaching and mentorship and, um, I think sometimes I really feel the imposter syndrome, like who's going to listen to me, you know, but, um, I think there's a lot of people that just don't know where to start. Um, so, you know, I might not help them win Kona, but I can help them across their finish line. And, um, yeah, I think I have a vision of hosting run retreats and, you know, documenting great stories and, you know, collaborating on cool projects and, um, helping brands tell authentic stories I think is is really hard these days right you 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 go through social media every post you see is the same it's just you know same people doing the same thing but finding like unique stories is really calling me and and whether that's my own or or helping out somebody else realize theirs is you know the direction I can see myself going in the future yeah yeah I think that's what's Everything online and social media, it's so, like, fast-consuming, short tension span, I think. But people really crave these genuine stories. And when they do come out, things like Free Solo, 14 Peaks, like, they get big because I feel like people resonate with that a lot and, like, 100%. can see themselves, like I said, not doing that, but see themselves being the hero in their own lives in whatever they do. Yeah. So I think those those are really cool. And I know, like, recently I've had the privilege to meet Devin Levesque and yeah. go through a, like, a kind of networking group and meet a bunch of people through him. But I think it was cool going in as an athlete and meeting finance people and, and social media people and artists, like, singing artists and, and all sorts of people that that you, you're kind of in your niche and you're thinking a certain way and you, you're good at what you do, but yeah. then seeing somebody else who would say, Oh, would you ever think about doing this? And like, they have a different way of looking at something that you could be like, Oh, I, ne- I never thought of that. And then you start tying things together and collaborating with each other and, and then meeting people who do similar things and like piggybacking off each other. And yeah. I think it's super cool. And like putting yourself in these positions to get lucky, to meet people, even if it's an investment in like, it's not type one fun of going out and having beers with the boys yeah. and immediate fun. Like, flying somewhere you don't know to meet people you never met and like 
you might be in the hotel alone, but the next day you meet somebody who could change your life, right? Yeah. You never know. So just putting yourself in those positions to get lucky and to meet people, I think, is super important. 100%, man. Yeah. But have you uh, have any advice for maybe younger kids coming up that want to do what you're doing someday or just anybody in general, maybe in the life they're they're striving or craving kind of that passion you're feeling in the pursuit of this dream and goal and how they can get it yeah man i think like one like have a vision to you know don't listen to anybody telling you you can't do it three like reach out to somebody that inspires you more often than not they'll respond to you and maybe that's all you need to kickstart your path um and then there's a there's a quote that i just love and and i feel like i wish i heard you know, five years ago, and it's like, everybody is tired, everybody is sore, everybody has excuses, don't be everybody, and I think that, to me, that just means, you know, compete against yourself, and at the end of the day, it's really you versus you, you know, don't, don't watch what other people are doing, like, people might have more followers, people might have more, you know, experience, but, are you better than you were last night? Are you better than you were last week? Are you better than where you last month? You know, like really have that mindset. Um, and I think, you know, live, live in days, plan in months and, you know, think in decades, um, is, is good kind of way to approach life. Hell yeah. I think everybody has their own time frame for when things happen too. So, don't rush it. <laughs> don't rush it, and if you fail, just try again, man. If oh, yeah. you, like, if if you don't fail, you're not dreaming big enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I learned more in the two swim failures, and I would have if I just squeaked it out the first time. So, hundred percent, I know that for sure. Well, hell yeah, man. Thanks for joining me today. You want to give uh, like social media and the website and everything? And- sure, man. Um, yeah. So I have a website called www dot chasing antarctica.com where you can find a bit more about my story and some of the other challenges that i've done in the past and um there's a little fundraising link to help support and uh, otherwise i guess instagram's good at connor emony and um yeah i'd love to meet more people and you know um hopefully i can i can i don't know inspire one person to to go after their dream and then you know this is what it's all about oh yeah well i'm sure you already have man and then go date is january yeah yeah middle middle of january it's a it's a window on weather and and uh some logistic stuff so um keep people posted as we get closer to and yeah oh yeah well let's go support this man get him down there but that's uh Episode 13, Cumber Breeze Complacy, Connor Emony. Thank you, brother. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. Keep pronouncing bad.